Well, good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to the Voice of the Valley. Uh, today, I have Pastor John Schubert, just John and I in the room, and we're uh, we're going to continue on through our study of the uh, order of salvation. Last week, we took a look at election, uh, and today we're gonna we're gonna discuss regeneration and justification. So I'm excited to do that. John, it's good to see you. Thank you. It's good to be here, Jer. Yeah. Um, now, John, we Rick and I, last week, we talked about uh, the order, or, Ordo Salutis. Yeah, saluting Captain Ordo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> I got that. The order of salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you, just by way of reminder, can you explain to us again what what the order of salvation is? Well, the order of salvation is what theologians talk about when they're trying to establish what comes first, what comes second, what comes third, when a person is saved. Okay. And you guys obviously talked about that last week when you're talking about election because that's the first thing that happens. It's the first thing on the list of the order of salutis. Another way to say it is the order of salvation. The first thing on the list of the order is being elect by God in eternity past, Ephesians 1, 4. Yeah. I'm sure you guys discussed that, yeah. but that's, what's, that's what we're talking about. Um, and it's important because if you get those things concerning salvation out of order, uh, you misunderstand the gospel. Hmm. And so it's important that we get it right. It's important that we understand the correct order and keep that in mind. Um, as you're thinking about sharing the gospel, thinking about praying for unsaved friends and loved ones, thinking just about the gospel in your own life, how how this came about that God saved me, there's an order to it, a specific order, an important order, and so that's what that means. So, so take for instance uh, today as we talk about regeneration and justification. Why why is it important that regeneration comes first before? Justification. Why does? Why is that such an important, important thing? Well, uh, for one, because it's established in Scripture. The Bible. The Bible okay. presents those things in a specific order. Okay. And in order to understand the Scriptures, we need to understand that. And so, um, like for example, uh, if you were to get regeneration and election mixed up. That's an obvious problem, right? You you would you would see that right away. Sure. Um, you, in fact, you can't get that mixed up because it's so obvious. But you can get other things mixed up, like justification and regeneration. You think, for example, that oh, I'm justified because I prayed a prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually incorrect because the reason <laughs> you're justified is because an act of faith. That was created by God, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God so that no one will boast. So what happens first is regeneration before justification. And when you you act on the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, that's what Paul in Romans 4 calls faith, Ephesians 2, faith, when you act on that, you're acting on it because the Holy Spirit has done his work of regeneration already. Yeah. When you get that backwards, you, you get into bad doctrine. Yeah. And so uh and you and you begin to misunderstand the gospel. And 
that's a very important issue for all Christians is the gospel. Yeah. And you got on, you got into that this last Sunday when you were preaching. a little bit. Yeah. 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 I can't remember what I said, but I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I can't either, <laughs> but it sounded good. It sounded good. <laughs> no, but this idea of, uh, God's choosing mm-hmm. is is in the work of the Holy Spirit is prompting us yeah. to respond. Correct. And we can't respond without the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I and I I included that in my sermon the way I did to kind of initiate some like uh spiritual panic, yeah. you know, in the <laughs> lives of of yeah. Calvinists. Yeah. When you say a gospel response is choosing, yeah. you immediately go, "Hold on." You better explain that. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. And so that's what I was trying to do on Sunday. And one of the gospel responses we see in that last stanza of Psalm 119 is choosing. Why do you choose obedience, whether it's to the commands of Scripture or obedience to the gospel, which is a command to obey? Mm -hmm. Well, you do so because God, the Holy Spirit, has regenerated your soul prior to that decision to make you want to choose it. Mm-hmm. And so you're choosing, yes, but why are you choosing? Mm-hmm. You're choosing because the Holy Spirit has, before that moment, created a new heart, given you a heart of flesh, and given you a desire with that gift yeah. to act on faith right. in um, the promises of God, right. right, which is to believe the gospel. Yeah. So I'm choosing, yeah, everybody chooses, everybody who's saved chooses to believe and obey the gospel, but you can't stop there. You have to go before that and ask why. Yeah. And that's where the order of salvation comes in. You, it requires something to have happened before your act of faith because of what we believe about what Scripture teaches in total depravity, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. We're totally depraved. We're unable to act in faith on the commands and promises of Scripture before the Holy Spirit works in us. We can't do it. We're totally depraved. We're not like Jacobus Arminius who said, no, we have some level of goodness in us Mm -hmm. that could respond. And we don't think we, we... we have that. Mm-hmm. We're we're convinced that we're sinners through and through, and without the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, and applying grace to our soul, we will not choose Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as we as we look through this, and this is something that stuck out to me as I was, as we printed these off was it, it just in this first three, you know, regeneration, election, justification, what we've looked at so far, what we're going to look at. Uh, there's a reoccurring thing of by God's work, by God's doing, by yeah. God's work. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. This is right. God doing mm-hmm. the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in our, in our statement of faith regarding regeneration, we say that we teach that regeneration is a supernatural work of the Holy spirit by which the divine nature and divine life are given. So what is what does that mean that the divine nature and divine life are given? Are we somehow become like God? What what does that mean? Well, we do. Yeah. We we become like God in a sense, and that transformation, you know, continues throughout the Christian experience. That's what uh, Romans 8 
2930 mean? We are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ, and that begins at regeneration. Okay. And so, yeah, it's. But I think what your your emphasis is, I think it is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a gift from God, right? Is yeah. is that what you're after? Yeah. So yeah, so we it's it's certainly a gift. I I was looking at Second uh, Peter, one four. Well, let's start in verse three. His divine power has granted to us, that is, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through a knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them, through those precious and great promises, we may become partakers of the divine life." having escaped from the, the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. So part of, part of coming to faith is participating in this divine nature, this mm-hmm. nature of God. And participating in that nature happens at regeneration. The Holy Spirit regenerates us by entering into our souls, Taking up residence and beginning this this work of transformation. Okay. The heart is immediately trans, transformed. It, we it says this um, in our regeneration statement of faith. Right after what you just read, it says it is instantaneous. Hmm. This work of grace is instantaneous. So, the moment you come to faith. Uh, isn't the moment of your change. Mm-hmm. The moment of your change is before that time. When regeneration takes place, it's the Holy Spirit entering, doing his work, and then you hear the gospel preached or read in Scripture through the instrumentality of the Scriptures, we say in that same statement, and then we respond. So for some people, that's almost instantaneous. For others, it may be uh, some passage of time, hmm. not certain how long, but uh, the Holy Spirit may transform your heart, and then the next day you go to church. Hmm. You're you feel like you wake up and say, "I ought to go to church today." Hmm. It's not because you're so holy; it's because the the Holy Spirit took up residence Saturday afternoon in your heart and prompted you to go to church where you heard the word, and at that moment you respond in faith when you become justified. That's when you are justified, when you respond by faith to the preached word, Hmm. the gospel message. So Hmm. there's an order taking place here. Holy Spirit regenerates you. You get up and you say, I think I'll go to church. You hear the word preached through the instrumentality of the word. You respond by faith. At that point, you are justified. Remember, justified by faith, like Abraham, Romans 4. And... You begin this life of transformation. We mm-hmm. call it sanctification. But you're transformed, you know, instantaneously. You you receive that divine nature Saturday afternoon or Saturday mm-hmm. night, mm-hmm. and then that divine nature begins to grow and build and become and and cause you to become more like Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So okay. a good example is Abraham, which is why the Apostle Paul used it in Romans four. Right. When did when did God do his work in Abraham? It was when he was asleep, yeah. right? Remember that? Yeah. that the story uh, back in Genesis? He was asleep in Genesis 17 when, when God did a work in him. Yeah. 
And then when he woke up, he believed God and it was credit to him as righteousness. Yeah. There's that same pattern of of the order of salvation in Abraham's life. Yeah. It's the same for everybody. Sure. Everybody goes through the same thing. Sure. Who is saved? Sure. So regeneration is is God taking up residence, the Holy Spirit taking up residence yep. in in the believer. And then justification is a declaration of our righteousness. Correct? That's correct. So, and that and that happens because you've responded by faith. And you've responded by faith, you're declared righteous. Yes. So does it, it, Abraham believed? Yeah. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Right. So the same thing happens for you. You and I believe, and at that moment, we're declared righteous. Okay. So does justification, is that a changing of the person, as, as kind of as regeneration is a changing of person, or is it a changing of status? What does that mean? It's, it's primarily, theologically, a changing of status. Okay. You're still Jeremy. I'm still John. Yeah. But our status changes before God. We're justified instead of condemned. Okay. But you, you can't... You can't Think about this, at least biblically, and say nothing else happens. Because it does. Both things happen. Yeah. You're changed. All things become new, Paul said in Second Corinthians 5. Right. Right. The old passed away, the new has come. Right. He's not just talking about a status issue. He's talking about a life issue, a practical life issue. Yeah. You become interested in the things of God. Yeah. You become interested in obedience you start obeying more. Right. You right. sin less. You start your your, cha- your your tastes start changing. Not your not your taste for food, but your taste for <laughs> things of life. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so, sure. both really are changing. But the 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 um, divine nature that part of the transformation is instantaneous. Yeah. The sanctification part of the nature of your nature is a lifelong process. Yeah. And those two things are important to keep in mind. There's a difference between justification and sanctification. Sure. Yeah. One is is you're asleep and God does a work. That's that's the what happens in justification. You're responding, of course, but you're asleep when God does his work, regeneration, justification, God's doing all that. Sanctification is you're participating. Yeah. You don't participate in justification right. or regeneration. Correct. You do participate in sanctification. Yeah. So someone might say that, you know, if I'm if I'm righteous, if God sees me as righteous at justification, um, then it doesn't really matter what I do. I can I can just kind of go about my duties and, and kind of continue living how I was living. Um, if God sees me righteous, it doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm righteous. How do we, or how would you, I guess, how would you respond to someone who, who would think that way? I would say if you think that way, you, it hasn't happened <laughs> in you. Because part of regeneration is it changes your mind. Okay. You, you start thinking differently. Yeah. And so if you think, well, I'm, now I'm justified, I can just live with how I want, then you're not justified. You haven't been regenerated because the Holy Spirit changes how you think about yourself, about your sin, uh, about your future. Okay. So that's a, a, a fundamental basic thing that you can examine your own heart over. Do Are my desires different now? Mm-hmm. If my desires are the same they were before I was supposedly regenerated and justified, if the same, I haven't been regenerated. Yeah. 
<laughs> because the work of the Holy Spirit changes those things. Yeah. That, that's one of the fundamental things of regeneration. He changes your interests. He changes your passions. All of a sudden, the gospel looks attractive. Before, you thought it was ridiculous. Right. Now it's attractive. Right. Before, you hated the commands of God. Now you love the commands of God. Right. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't save someone so they continue living in sin. Yeah. That's that's foolish. Paul Paul addresses that in Romans 6. Yeah. He says, did he do this? We continue to sin? He goes, by no means. That's 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 not logical or spiritual. It, it makes no sense to think that way. Right, right. That's what I would say. Right. I would say you're not saved. Yeah. <laughs> so regeneration leads to justification, which leads to... Sanctification. Sanctification. And I would say this every time. Yeah. <laughs> every time it happens that way. It, there's never a case where, oh, this guy just didn't change. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Then he, he wasn't, he's not saved. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's, it's so concerning to me when I hear parents say, well, my, my son became a Christian when he was eight, and he's never really lived for Christ. He's never really, you know, he still really is living in sin and for himself, but he's, he's on his way to heaven because he said a prayer with me on the side of his bed when he was eight. Yeah. He's not saved. Yeah. And that's a hard conversation to have with people. Yeah. But every single time, Jeremy, when the Holy Spirit regenerates people, they change. Yeah. Even the thief on the cross, yeah. who had very little time to demonstrate sanctification, proved his conversion mm -hmm. by how his tone changed within a couple hours. Yeah. At the beginning of the crucifixion, he was berating Christ, belittling Christ, swearing and everything else with the other criminal. But then the Holy Spirit came in and converted him, regenerated his soul while he was hanging on the cross and began the sanctification process, even in him. Yeah. And before he died, he was praising God and worshiping God and 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 you know desiring to obey Jesus, the one yeah. who, who was dying with him yeah. in a matter of hours. Yeah. And so even him, and I think that's included in there, that description of his conversion, so that we can't say, well, and, well, it's, you know, it sure. doesn't really happen that way. Yeah, it does. Sure. It, it happens that way for everybody. Sure. And if it doesn't happen that way for you or your loved ones, it didn't happen. Yeah. You know, this is really a important point. Yeah, and, and you, this, I think that was the point of your sermon on Sunday was those who are, those who are saved will have a continual dependence upon God throughout yes. their life. They'll be, they'll be repenters. Yeah. In fact, the, the, the reformers called themselves confessors. Yeah. They, they continually confessed. They were yeah. always confessing, uh, not just their belief in Christ, but their need for him right. daily, right. like Luther's quote that I used. Right. Right. You know, we should be repenting daily. Yeah. You know, uh, another quote that Luther's famous for is that you should preach the gospel to yourself daily. What does that mean? Well, you remind yourself of your need for Christ, of your sin, and that he's your Savior. Yeah. And you run to him daily. Yeah. You never get content, complacent, apathetic towards your sin or towards uh, Christ, your Savior. Yeah. You're always running back yeah. daily. Yeah. And if you're saved, that happens. Right. I'm not saying we won't have seasons of coolness. I mean... Look at the, the church of Ephesus in Revelation. You know, they, they, I think they were believers, but they had, they had lost their first love. They had become complacent, lukewarm. And Jesus said, you know, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Hmm. And so 
Um, there are seasons, I think, that, that Christians can go through that would make them question their conversion, their, their regeneration. But it's in those seasons where those who have truly been regenerated are drawn back by Christ himself, ministered to, and set back on track. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I, I Just going back to your sermon, too, is, is the point of, of you know, if you, if you are regenerated, if you are justified— um, we're not we're not reconfessing in the sense of salvation. We're we're just confessing our continual dependence mm-hmm. on Christ every single day and confessing our sins. And that I mean that's why we do it corporately every Sunday. Exactly, I said yeah. that too in yeah. my sermon. But yeah, we're not. I'm not suggesting, and I I, I think I communicated this maybe not as clearly as I should have or as powerfully as I should have. But we're not losing our salvation daily and then running back for. Right. A reconversion, right? No, no. We're it's a it's a, a state of mind that at regeneration, the Holy Spirit of God establishes in the mind and heart of every believer a, a dependence on God, a a love for the Scriptures, a disdain for sin, a a, a, a emotional uh, distraughtness between uh, about the separation between us and our savior. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know about you, but when I, when I enter any season of separation from my savior, it causes me spiritual distress. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. I'm uncomfortable. I know the solution and and the longer I fight it, the worse it gets. And so I'm confident that's the Holy spirit drawing me back to himself saying, John, you know, recess is over. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. you got to get back into this thing. And yeah. So, yeah. 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 Now, as we as we kind of conclude here, John, our, our uh, statement here talks about this idea of imputed righteousness. Um, imputed? Just, imputed. Let me, let me read this for you. Uh, it says, This righteousness is apart from any virtue or work of man and involves the imputation of our sins to Christ and the imputation of Christ's righteousness to us. So the question is, is what, what does that mean? What does imputed righteousness mean? And then the second question following that is, how is that different from what our Catholic friends believe? Imputed, first of all, sounds like an infection. <laughs> and it kind of is. Yeah. It's, uh, we have been infected with the righteousness, the perfection of Christ, and Christ was infected with our sin. And that's not totally accurate, but it's the beginning of yeah. the conversation. The imputation of our sins to Christ was necessary in order for him to die for our sins. Right. Had they not been imputed to him, uh, his, his death would have been meaningless. I mean, he would have been a perfect man, God-man, <laughs> dying. Yeah. But... Since our sins were imputed, all the sins of every believer of all time, before and after Christ, were placed on Christ, imputed to Christ. And when he died, he died to pay for, literally pay for my sin, even though I lived 2,000 years after Christ died. Hmm. I was in Christ at that moment. Again, Romans 6. Mm -hmm. And... 
so my sins were imputed to him. So when he died, he paid for my sin. Right. As if I died. He took my place, substitution. Yeah. Yeah. And then also the other half of it is his righteousness, that it mean, that is the perfection that that he established, that he he proved while living this perfect life, never sinning, you know, in any way was credited to my account, mm. imputed to my account, given to me by faith, both sides by faith. By faith, my sins were placed on Christ when he died on Calvary. By faith, I receive his perfection that he established during his life were, were given to me because both are required mm. by, by God. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, Jesus said. That's impossible for us unless it's imputed to us, yeah. unless it's given to us. And it's given to everyone who believes on Jesus Christ. And so both of those both sides of that coin are critically important. Yeah. The imputation of our sin to Christ and the imputation of Christ's righteousness to us. Yeah, that and that happens by faith. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the imputation of of sin uh to Christ and the imputed righteousness of of Christ's righteousness to us, is that is that a change of status as we were talking about earlier, or is that a, a, um, a declaration, if that makes sense? Is God declaring Christ the sinner of all mankind, of those who would believe, and we are declared righteousness? We are, we are declared righteous because of him. Yeah. So it is a status issue yeah. at that point. You're okay. still a sinner, right? Right. I'm a sinner. Right. We've proven that today. That we are sinners. We remain sinners. Justified, yet sinners. What I said on Sunday, Luther's quote. We're still sinners. So it's got to be a change of status. Mm -hmm. Before God, he views us as he would his son. Mm -hmm. Because by faith, we've embraced him. Mm -hmm. We We are seen by the Father as perfect because of the Son. Right. I, I've used the illustration of an onion and the saran wrap. You know, when you when you cut open an onion and you don't use it all, you wrap it in saran wrap and put it in your refrigerator. You take it out and you can't smell it, but you can see it. Mm-hmm. So it's still an onion in there, but I can't smell it. That's kind of what happens with the, the person who puts their trust in Christ. Yeah. The righteousness of Christ is wrapped around like cellophane around this sinful being. Yeah this human who remains sinful and struggling. But in the view of God, he can't smell us yeah. because we're wrapped in the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. So that is what's going on here. It's a change of status. It's not, we're, we're not perfect. We don't claim perfection, you know, and, and anybody who does doesn't understand this at all. And there are some who think that they've grown to sinless perfection, of themselves, you know, by denying sin and denying self, and now they're holy and they want to let you know it. Yeah. And the minute they do, of course, <laughs> their pride is revealed and they're sinners. So, yeah. yeah. But let's can we get back to the infused versus yeah, yeah. the imputed? Yeah. This is an important point of of disagreement yeah. between Protestants and Catholics. Protestants believe that the righteousness of Christ was imputed. 
and Catholics believe that it was infused. And so what that means is a Catholic view of the righteousness of Christ is that Christ infuses his righteousness like like an injection, okay. not an not not a not in the way I described it earlier, but almost like an injection of Christ's righteousness, his goodness. And then that injection begins to grow in me. And through my my efforts, with the help of this injection, I start being a better guy. And the longer I'm a better guy, the more acceptable I am to God. Right. And so hopefully in a few years or a few decades, I'm this this infusion of the righteousness of Christ has take, taken such root and produce such fruit that I am actually righteous yeah. personally. Yeah. And that makes me acceptable to God. Yeah. And so the Catholic will say, well, I don't know if I'm righteous enough. I, I'll probably have to spend a, a year or two or whatever the, the time frames are in the other, on the other side of death in purgatory. Yeah. I'll have to spend a few years in purgatory because I'm not righteous enough yet. And that's not a biblical concept. You can't find that anywhere in Scripture. Yeah. There is not an infusion of Christ's righteousness, there's an imputation. It's given to us. Yeah. It's as a gift yeah. given by the Holy Spirit to all who believe in Jesus. And it is an instantaneous act that has a lifelong effect. Yeah. Yeah. And so our works don't justify us. No. Whereas whereas the Roman Catholics would say that our works are added so that we become justified. Yeah. You look yeah. you look better and so God likes you more. Yeah. Okay. But we know even from the Old Testament, all of our righteousness is like filthy rags, yeah. Isaiah said. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter how good we are or how good that, that old lady is down the street. She's a decrepit sinner, which is why I, I kind of jokingly used your son when he was first born, I think on Easter Sunday. The day after he was born, yeah. Yeah, the day after he was born, I, I said, Charlie is, I don't know, I can't exactly remember what I said, but I... A dirty, rotten sinner. Yeah. A dirty, rotten sinner, yeah. <laughs> and Katie wouldn't talk to me for like a month. Well, she doesn't talk to you now. That's so. true. She's yeah. still angry with me. Come on, Katie. <laughs> but uh, that's exactly the truth. Yeah. The moment you're conceived, David said in Psalm 139, you're conceived yeah. in sin. Right. You know, and and in uh, Psalm 51. So he's... there's. The moment you're conceived, you're a sinner. You don't have to commit any sins. It's part of our nature. Yeah. And so when we're born and start, you know, proving that we were conceived in sin is when we demonstrate our our desperate need for a Savior. Yeah. And when that regeneration takes place by the Holy Spirit, he, he imputes not infuses, he imputes yeah. the righteousness of Christ at the point of, re, of uh, justification. Right. And we receive that as a gift. Yeah. And we are, because of Christ, viewed as holy. Yeah. And Paul said this in 1 Corinthians one thirty. it's because of him you are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. God did this work. He, he put the righteousness of Christ on you, and he views you as holy. Yeah. He views you as his own son. Yeah. And 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 this isn't just you know by itself, you know, and then you're free to go to heaven. No, this this imputed righteousness creates fruit. You know, Jesus said right. that, that is the will of the Father that you produce fruit, and right. 
it does. It starts producing fruit. You become uh, more like Christ daily, and you grow and, and become more loving, more patient, more kind, yeah. and all those things that Jesus is in his perfection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that God's doing the work. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not up to you or yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, It would make pastoral ministry <laughs> very discouraging <laughs> if it were up to us yeah. to produce this in the life of the people he gave us. Yeah. It's impossible. You can't. The Holy Spirit does it. Yeah. 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 Well, John, thank you for taking your time to explain these two important doctrines for us today. Church, we love you. We look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.